Chapter 51 The Raven We need to get out of here! Navi's yell was barely audible above the harsh screams that shattered the brief silence. Redeads, Link muttered. More cries echoed the first, howling through the darkness. Goddesses, Link thought. How many are there? At least they're slow, Navi said, hovering close to his ear. I guess that's a small mercy, Link replied. Any idea how they appeared? Your guess is as good as mine. Had Ganondorf summoned the beasts, or did the necromancer manage to cast one final spell to reanimate the dead? Knowing there was no time, Link spun around to see the elder Sheikah slumped against the obelisk to which she'd been bound. Sheik was kneeling by Impa's side, her head bent down as she listened to something the other woman was saying. Sheik, is there another way out? Link asked. He couldn't see anything yet, but he could just make out a faint clanking of armor. There were Stalfos among the redead. Damn. Not so slow. Navi! Sheik! Link called, fear forming an icy knot in his gut. We've got Stalfos coming towards us. There's a pier not far from here, Sheik answered, looking up. Impa says there is a ferry docked there. It can take us to the other side. She pointed towards the lake. Link swallowed. It was hardly a comforting option. With two people incapacitated, getting there would be slow work. He tried to consider an alternative, or if there was anything they could use as a makeshift stretcher. There was nothing. Nor did they have any portal stones that could warp them out of danger. Wait. They didn't have a portal stone, but they did have something else. Navi, he said, twisting around to where she'd gone. Do you think we can use the medallion to get Impa out of here? Possibly. It's a good idea, she said approvingly. It'd mean one less person to carry. Link quickly looked around for the pendant, realizing that it was no longer clasped around Halvard's neck. It must have fallen off, Link said, breathing a mild ope. Nav, help me find it. Without hesitating, Navi flew low to the ground, darting around like a startled dragonfly in her search for the pale amulet. Link started looking as well, but there was no sign of it. Here! Navi called from off to his right. He turned to see her grab the indigo medallion before flying over to him and placing it in his outstretched hand. Clutching the precious amulet, Link dashed over to Sheik's side. Impa was no longer conscious. Oh no, Link thought. Is she? She is alive, but her injuries are severe. Sheik saw the medallion in Link's outstretched palm and quickly took it. With the flow of magic finally restored, Raru should be able to heal her and the others. Then they will be able to leave the sacred realm. You don't think Raru can heal? No, Sheik answered sadly guessing what he was about to say from the way his gaze lingered on Impa's blindfold. I don't think he can. We can only accelerate the healing process, either by potions or magic. Replacing something that's missing is entirely different. Can't you at least heal her, like you... He paused, the words leaving an unpleasant taste on his tongue. Like you did for me? 
Sheik shook her head. Not now. It is a difficult spell to work at the best of times, even with the Triforce to help you. She slipped the medallion over Impa's neck. Pray that this works. Go and get Halvard. How far is the pier? Link asked. It is close, Sheik said, the urgency rising in her voice. Go! The medallion began to shimmer in eldritch blue, but Link didn't wait to see what would happen. Instead, he ran over to the Masked Man, trying not to think about the way the man had stared at him before taking a knife to his eye. I only intend to take one eye, child of light. Stop that, Link thought furiously, trying to block out the sound of the necromancer's words and the memory of the pain that flashed through his skull. It wasn't him. As quickly as he could, Link hauled the masked man to his feet, wrapping an arm underneath one shoulder to hold him up. He groaned as his knees nearly buckled under the weight. If he fell over now, Link wasn't sure he'd be able to get back up. He looked back to call Sheik for help, but she was already running towards him. Impa was nowhere to be seen. After a bewildered moment of confusion, he caught sight of the medallion in Sheik's hand and knew what had happened. He breathed a sigh of relief. Impa was safe. He'd awoken the Sixth Sage. Now, all they had to do was get out of here. His mind was racing, and he didn't even pause to consider the significance of awakening the last sage. Securing her bow and quiver behind her, she quickly grabbed Halvard's right side. Come on! Come on! They climbed down the dais as quickly as they dared, holding Halvard as gently as they could, so as not to cause him any further harm. Sheik summoned an orb of light to guide them. It didn't matter that they now had a beacon shining in the darkness. The living dead did not need light to seek out their quarry. Astalfos emerged, snarling as it lunged forward, blade raised. Sheik blasted it with an arc of lightning before Link could even react. Can you make all of us invisible with that medallion? Link asked. No, Sheik answered. Even if its power were not already even if its power were not already drained, I could not. More Stalfos came, and even several lumbering redead made it within reach of Link's blade. Brandishing his sword awkwardly, Link tried to keep them at bay, but fighting half-blinded, all while carrying someone, was proving to be far from ideal. Sheik tried her best to assist him, but even then, Link was nearly struck several times. I can't fight like this, he thought. After finding the right path, which branched off the one Link had traversed earlier, they spotted the pier. The slippery, jagged rocks that rose up on either side of the path proved an effective shield, and if not for that, the Stalfos would have made short work of the pair. Two grotesque gargoyles were perched upon plinths on either side of the jetty, guarding the way forward. Link expected them to spring to life. They didn't. By now, he was struggling to haul Halvard along, his arms burning as though they were on fire. Compared to his eye, the pain was bearable. He could see the long wooden frame of a boat up ahead. At almost 15 paces long, with oars jutting out into inky black water, it was no small vessel. The figurehead at the bow was carved into the likeness of a raven, its wings folded and talons clutching the prow. We need to fend them off so I can get the boat moving, Sheik said hurriedly. The Stalfos were getting closer. How? Link asked. He'd been expecting something a lot smaller. 
There's no time to explain. Just trust me, Sheik answered. Link nodded, gasping as his limbs screamed for him to stop and rest. Not now. If he did that, the Stalfos would be all over him within seconds. Sheik took the lead up the gangway, blasting a Stalfos with a bolt of lightning when it tried to jump onto the gangway. She lowered Halvard onto the deck, right before a hiss and a thud announced an arrow striking the hull. Archers. Link bit back another curse. Another arrow hit the bolt with a thunk, and this time Link did curse. He got down behind the railing, wishing he hadn't forgotten the mirror shield. Watch out! Navi yelled as two Stalfos came charging towards the gangway. Link grabbed the edge of the wooden ramp, and with Sheik's help, he pushed it onto the boat. One Stalfos stopped before reaching the edge of the pier. The second didn't stop in time and fell into the lake. More arrows struck the boat's railing, and Link tried lobbing several Goron bombs at the offending archers, sending bones flying as the explosives went off. More Stalfos ran onto the pier, some rattling swords against shields, while others wisened to Link's dwindling supply of bombs. They started scattering each time he threw one. More ran towards the rear of the boat, as though considering climbing onto the deck. Thunk. Another arrow hissed past, landing inches away from Link. He scrambled further against the railing. This is not working, Sheik snarled, close enough for Link to hear. I have an idea. Navi, get in Link's pocket, now! Sheik's tone left no room for questions, so Navi obeyed. An enormous column of water started to rise from the lake. Sheik was staring at the rising column with a look of rigid concentration, her face white from the strain. The Stalfos turned to look at the water as well, the thick tendril now rising feet into the air and spinning rapidly. Soon it resembled Amorpha's tentacle. Sheik released the spell before the Stalfos could think about running. The growing wave collapsed with a roar of sound, smashing straight into undead soldiers with enough force to shatter bones. The boat shook and heaved while a deluge of water splashed onto the deck. Several Stalfos managed to stay on their feet, but then the violent overtow of the water surging back into the lake sent them screeching into the water. I would like to see Rudo beat that, Sheik panted. She fell back against the railing, breathing heavily. Link wasn't stunned at Sheik's performance. He'd seen Rudo do something similar, but Sheik didn't seem to notice his lack of surprise. Nor, Link reasoned, would it be a good idea to mention that Rudo had in fact beaten her? We best move before any more come after us, Sheik said after a short silence. I may not be able to do that again. She did sound tired. That wasn't a good sign. Her eyes were sunken too, and there were dark shadows under her eyes from the lack of sleep. If she was too fatigued to channel magic or fight properly, they wouldn't make it far from if any more undead came. Any idea how to get this thing moving? He asked. Impa said there is a spirit in this vessel that can grant us passage, Sheik said, sounding deep in thought. If it is the one spoken of in Sheikah legends, its name is the King of Ravens. A spirit? Just like the Master Sword? Navi asked. She shook her wings several times to get a puddle's worth of water off. In essence, yes. Sheik grabbed the railing and hauled herself to her feet. Are you? I'm fine. Waving off Link's offer to help, she checked on Halvard, 
who was lying in a puddle, and slumped him against a drier bit of railing before walking purposefully towards the bow. Keeping an eye on the pier, certain that there were Stalfos just beyond his vision, Link followed her. I'll keep watch, Navi offered, noticing his caution. It's only a matter of time before they come after us again. Link nodded and hurried over to Sheik, who was standing at the raven figurehead. Odd, he said, staring more closely at the raven, its wings now outstretched. Did that just move? When he spoke, the raven cocked its head to one side, fixing him with a single beady eye that was now glowing with a purple light. Link almost grabbed his sword, and then felt half foolish for doing so. You now possess the keys to the sacred realm, it squawked, tilting its head and staring at him with both its beady eyes. I alone can grant you passage to the other side, but first you must play me a song. I do not give the living passage for free. Look, we don't have any time for this, Link said hurriedly. There's a horde of Stalfos coming, and goddesses knows what else is out there. We have to go, now. The figurehead was unmoved. A song you will give me, or else we will stay. And if I like not your playing, then we shall stay. Link felt a sudden urge to kick the figurehead, not caring to play it a song. He reined his temper in. A bruised or broken toe was not going to get them anywhere. Plus, the bird might not take kindly to being kicked, given its magical properties and all. Will any song suffice? Sheik asked, paying no heed to Link's angry growl. Not any song, the raven said. Long ago, the Sheikah used an ancient tune, an enchanted song known only to them. A song that became a lullaby. Its knowledge is almost lost now. Play me that and I will move. Or sing it if you prefer. Provided you can sing, that is. I can't sing, Link said automatically, before adding. But I do have an ocarina. He felt slightly foolish at his unnecessary admission but quickly thrust the thought aside as he pulled out the ocarina, holding it gently and placing the mouthpiece to his lips. The raven watched him, unmoving, as the notes of Zelda's lullaby drifted through the air. Then the bird cocked its head again. That will do, it squawked. I will grant you passage. If you desire to reach the other side alive, you had best not look into the water. Why? Link asked before he could help himself. The dead watch. The raven replied in ominous tones. Twisting its head, the bird turned to face the lake once more. I think you will make better company than the last mortals I took across. Who? Link asked. He had a good guess as to who the bird was talking about, but it offered no reply. It was still staring off into the water, and Link didn't dare to follow its gaze and peer over the side. They made it this far, Navi murmured, 
When I heard those howls, I was afraid they might be... Her voice trembled as she trailed off. That they might have been turned into those things, he guessed, finishing her unspoken words. Try not to think about it, Navi, he told her, trying to convince himself the villagers were still alive. Nothing else could harm them. Not with the necromancer dead. But even that was hardly comforting. The boat shuddered beneath them. Seven sets of oars, somehow undisturbed by Sheik's attempt to drain the lake, began moving in a harmonious rhythm. They cut silently through the water, each stroke sending a small jolt through the craft and propelling it swiftly through the lake. Stalfos on the stern! At Navi's sudden cry, Link turned to see two Stalfos clambering over the stern railing and onto the deck. They jumped forward, jagged blades raised, eyes set on Halvard who lay slumped against the railing. Sheik sprinted towards them. Link dashed forward as well, trading blows with one Stalfos before pushing it so hard it stumbled and fell overboard. Forgetting the raven's warning, Link peered over the vessel's side to check the Stalfos was gone. For a second, he thought he could see a woman lying in the water, her eyes open and mouth wide. Link was sure he knew her, but he could not work out who she was. A heartbeat later, he blinked, and then she was gone. Link! Navi snapped his attention back to the remaining Stalfos. It was busy fending off a barrage of swipes from Sheik's daggers. For just a second, she faltered. Link charged, quickly cleaving his blade through the skeleton's vertebrae and slicing its head from its shoulders. The skull splashed into the lake, and Link hauled the rest of the Stalfos after it. He caught sight of the woman again. She was staring right at him. Dress and hair splayed about her. She rose her hand, gesturing for him to grab hold. Help me. He heard her cry, and saw her fear as she pleaded to be rescued from the water. Link! Navi's cry forced him to look away. He realized his hand was clutching the air beyond the railing, and he was leaning over the side, dangerously close to falling. He pushed himself away from the railing, feeling stunned that he'd nearly gone over the vessel's side. When he looked again, the woman was gone. What are you doing? Navi demanded, buzzing once around his head. There was someone there! Link gasped, gesturing at the railing. Frowning, Navi looked at the railing. The raven said not to look, remember? Realizing she was right, and feeling foolish again, Link whirled around to find Sheik right behind him. What were you? I thought I saw something, Link told her. He should have remembered the Mask of Truth. With a sinking feeling in his stomach, he realized they'd left it behind. Now, he only had Sheik's lens. What did you see? Sheik asked quietly. I thought I saw a woman, Link said, trying not to think about the fact that he'd almost jumped after the apparition without realizing what he was doing. He rubbed his arms to ward off a phantom chill. It had been eerily similar to when he nearly walked into a pit, so convinced that something was beckoning to him. Now, he was fairly certain that the pit he'd encountered led straight into this lake. Those must have been sirens, Sheik murmured. Sirens? Link asked, not sure what she was talking about. Never mind. Sheik shook her head. Just don't look over the side again. He didn't intend to. They both turned their attention to Halvard next, and together they propped him against the railing.
he was still unconscious. Sheik knelt beside him and pressed a hand against Halvard's forehead. I doubt he will be awake for a while. Do you think he'll be alright in the long run? Link asked. Physically, yes, Sheik answered. But the knowledge he will have to live with will not be pleasant. Mentally, he will probably take some time to recover from these events. He won't be the only one, Link murmured. He did feel sorry for Halvard, though it was difficult not to fault him for the events that recently transpired. No, Sheik agreed solemnly. He won't be. The boat continued its journey to the far shore of the lake. Darkness had long since swallowed the pier, and all they could hear was the rhythmic splash of the oars cutting through the water. Rocks rose up on either side of the boat like jagged knives, threatening to tear the vessel apart if it veered even slightly off course. Tall columns of minerals rose into the darkness, and Link spotted more crumbling structures that could have once been an extensive network of towers and bridges. Several keys flew by, chattering noisily. Further off in the distance, Link could hear a steady drip, drip, drip of water falling into the lake. How big can this cave possibly be? He wondered aloud. The rhythm of the oars began to slow, eventually pushing back against the water to slow the craft. They had passed the last of the jagged rocks, and he could see light flickering up ahead, in what appeared to be the shore. He walked to the front of the boat, peering over the raven to get a better view. The boat made its way towards a pier that jutted into the lake. There was a dais just beyond the landing, that looked identical to the portals scattered around Hyrule. A stone building jutted out of the cave wall, seemingly merging into the rocks, its tall iron doors marking the way beyond. Two braziers stood on either side of the doorway, and the first thing Link noticed was a small band of bulbins camped near them. How the hell did they get in here? he wondered. There were startled yelps as one of the bulbins spotted the approaching boat and raised the alarm. Sheik already had her bow in hand, the string drawn to her cheek. One arrow found a Bulban's throat, a second shaft struck another beast's eye, and then a third arrow found its unfortunate victim. The Bulbans quickly returned fire, their arrows thudding into the vessel's hull. Just as Link ducked and ran to grab a bow from the remains of one of the Stalfos, Sheik called to him. Link, I need you to distract them, she said sharply. Take one of the Stalfos shields and start running. What? He exclaimed, not liking the idea. Just do it! Without further question, he retrieved the round shield and returned to the ship's bow. Hey! He shouted, waving the shield in front of him. Over here! The Bulbins heard him, their excited shouts cutting through the air as they turned all their attention to him. Recognizing his green tunic, they decided to ignore Sheik and instead train their bows on him. Bad idea, Link thought knowing that what he was doing wasn't exactly sensible either. Thunk! Several arrows slammed into his shield, and Link bit back several profanities. Sheik returned fire, quickly taking out several monsters before they could fire another shot. The final three beasts dropped their weapons and began to flee, but not before Sheik's arrows found them too. Are you? Sheik turned around, letting her bow clatter to the deck. I'm fine! Link called, quickly tossing his shield to one side. Just don't ask me to do something like that again. 
I'll try not to, Sheik offered. She gestured at the gangway, and Link helped her lower it onto the stone-studded shore. When that was done, they hauled Halvard to his feet, and together they managed to carry him off the ship. They arrived at the braziers, and Link glanced around at the deceased Boldens, feeling a sliver of revulsion at the slaughter. There was a cookpot nearby, coals still glowing faintly. Not wanting to know what the Blin had been eating, Link didn't go anywhere near it. With Sheik's help, he hauled the unconscious mask seller onto the dais. Sheik pulled a brooch with a red lion out from beneath her garb and placed it on the front of the man's robes. Activating the portal, Sheik motioned for Link to step off the platform before she too stepped away from it. Moments later, the masked man vanished amidst a flash of light, and then he was gone. You think he'll be okay? Navi asked, staring at the now empty platform. The guards at the graveyard should be able to get help, Sheik said. They know to look out for anyone using the portal. Link walked over to the enchanted braziers, only to discover they offered no warmth. Pushing the iron doors open, he peered through into a dark stone corridor. Eerie light filled the passage, and it was so cold that even the torches seemed to shiver in their sconces. Walking down the corridor, Sheik and Link turned and descended a flight of stairs. As they climbed lower, Link could hear a low moan and a rank smell fouled the air. Oh no, he thought. Mori deads. They turned another corner, and Sheik's light flashed off the metal bars of a jail cell. Rusted and worn with age, it was one of the many cells that lined the corridor. Amidst the rumbling groans of re-deads, Link could make out the more human sounds of soft, stifled sobs and whimpers. One or two whispers met him, and several voices cried out as people noticed the light of Sheik's spell. Link paused at the end of the corridor, momentarily overwhelmed by what he was seeing and hearing. Is someone there? Help! Let us out! Please help us! The noise caused several redeads to stir and scream. Sheik swore and then raced forward, Link quickly following her. She silenced the nearest redead and then turned to him. Link, open the cells! The Master Sword should cut through the locks! Link obeyed, making sure that the occupant wasn't some kind of undead before he opened the cell. One cell became two, and then three. Before he knew it, he'd opened half the cells. Twice he cut down a redead as it thrust its arms at him, filthy nails clawing at the air. Villagers spilled out of their broken prisons, many too exhausted or too delirious from lack of water to say much, let alone walk. Sheik focused on freeing the guards and soldiers, using her dagger to break the lock. She ordered those who were strong enough to gather those too frail or traumatized to make it out on their own. They obeyed, and just as they passed him, Link broke into another cell. This one contained a Goron, chained to stop him from trying to force his way out. Cutting the Goron free, and barely avoiding a bear-crushing hug, Link returned to his task. He hardly noticed the murmurs and cries of gratitude that came from some as he kept focused on his work. He turned a corner as the dungeon twisted out of sight. Many of the cells here were empty. The rest contained redeads and screamed at the intrusion until Link silenced them. There were more! Sheik said there were more! 
Navi said, frantically darting over to the bars of each cell. Link still hadn't found what he was looking for. His heart raced in a mad panic as he fought the urge to cry out. She couldn't be. No. He refused to believe she'd been turned into one of the necromancer's abominations. Eerie torchlight glinted off the rusted bars of another cell up ahead, and Link walked over to it. There, sitting at the far end of the cell, was a woman with flowing red hair. Except it wasn't flowing now. It was more of a tangled mess. The woman's dress was marred with dirt, her face smeared with grime, but he still recognized her. Malin! he called. The occupant of the next cell shrieked. I wasn't talking to you, Link growled, silencing the re-dead by stabbing it through the chest. Then he whirled back to Malin's cell, grunting as he slashed the lock. The iron door swung open. Sheathing the master sword, he quickly walked in, intent on scooping Malin into his arms. He stopped cold, barely a few feet from her. Malin was staring up at him, but there was no recognition in those eyes. Her gaze was haunted and fearful. Malin? He spoke softly, uncertain how she'd react. The look in her eyes tore at him, for there was a pain in them that words alone would not mend. No she murmured, shaking her head slowly, her eyes growing wide. No, you're not real! He took a step forward, mouth half open to call her name. Get away from me! The near hysteria in Malin's voice was frightening. She backed against the wall, shaking, and Link's heart ached. Goddesses, what had they done to her? Malin, it's all right, he said gently, hoping to trigger some spark of recognition. It's me, Link. He reached out a hand to reassure her, but she slapped it away, breathing fast and backing further against the wall. I know you're trying to trick me! Desperate, Link tried to think of something else to say. It's me! Fairy boy, he tried, the name sounding strange on his lips. Stay away! Malin shrieked, halting Link in his tracks. Link stepped back, his heart hammering madly. Maybe she didn't recognize him with one eye now missing. He wagered he probably looked like he needed a bath about now, and he probably smelt awful as well. Navi flew into the cell to come to his aid. But all Malin did was sink back onto the floor, shaking like a leaf, murmuring an almost incoherent string of words. You won't trick me. I know it's a lie. It's a lie. Not him. Link and Navi exchanged a worried glance in an unspoken question. Had Malin lost her mind? Hey, it's us, Navi said as jovially as she could muster, which wasn't very jovial at all. Remember? You gave opponent to us. We can take you to her. It's okay. Wait. She paused, sharing a look with Link. She was pretty sure he knew what she was thinking. Whether or not it would work was another question. Link took his ocarina out, moving slowly so he didn't frighten Malin further, 
and then he began to play. The soft, peaceful melody Malin had taught him so long ago pealed through the air, sounding out of place in this dreary place. Gradually, Malin's face softened, her breathing relaxed, and recognition stirred in her haunted eyes. Link? But... The words were a whisper, and Link felt a surge of relief as he heard them. Malin was still there. You came for us. She breathed in disbelief. Before he could reply, she got up and threw her arms around him, sobbing hard. Oh, Link, I, I didn't think anyone would come. The words were barely audible as her body shook against his own. They started taking people, the children first. I could hear them crying. It's all right, Link said, swallowing the lump in his throat. He wished he were better at this. It was normally Navi that did the comforting. He couldn't begin to fathom the torment that Malin and the others had suffered. Come on, we have to get out of here. You're safe now. He lifted his head off her shoulder as she clung harder, brushing a few stray hairs away from her eyes. She swallowed and looked up to take a better look at his face. Your eye, she gasped. Before Link could reply, a stern voice demanded his attention. Link, what are you doing? Sheik was standing in front of the cell, glaring at him. I was just... Link started protesting. We have to get moving. There was little sympathy in her eyes, and Malin stiffened. Sheik quickly darted past Malin's cell without another word. A Goron wandered by. And the next thing they heard was the tortured screech of a cell door being ripped from its hinges. Could they possibly have made any more noise? Navi asked. They're Gorons, Link told her. Navi smiled weakly. Stupid question, huh? Could be worse, Link offered before turning his attention to Malin. Come on, we better move. Can you walk? Malin was holding his arm, as though afraid he might vanish if she let go. She nodded. I think so. Who was that? Her name's Sheik, Link said, flinching as another cell door was torn free. She... She's a Sheikah, Malin murmured. I saw them, the ghosts of the Sheikah. It was just a dream, Link soothed her. Sheik's on our side. Come on, let's go. He held her as she wobbled on her feet, and then led the way into the dimly lit corridor. More people were spilling out into the open, some barely able to stand, others gazing in disbelief. Some were just as terrified as Malin, if not more. One woman offered to take Malin, and after a little encouragement, Link was able to extract her. I'll be alright. He assured her, before turning to the other woman and thanking her. A guard ushered the pair down the corridor, leaving Link to search for Sheik. He turned and headed back towards Malin's cell, knowing he'd find Sheik somewhere beyond there. Fatigue was beginning to sap the last of his strength. His injured ankle, not fully healed, felt like it was on fire, and pain shot up his leg with each step. Finally, 
He came to the end of the corridor, and then down another. By now, everyone had been freed, and even the Goron Link had met earlier was making his way back to the dungeon's entrance. Barely avoiding a good-natured slap on the shoulder, Link muttered a few irritated words to himself when the Goron was out of earshot, and then made his way back to the end of the passage. When he got to one of the last cells, he stopped dead. Sheik was crouched over the body of a woman whose skin was a sickly gray. Eyes closed. Sheik grimaced as she pulled a knife free from the corpse. She had already started to turn, Sheik whispered. Mercy killing, Link thought grimly. Into what? Navi asked, her voice hushed. Redeads, Sheik replied. Link's eye was drawn to those of the dead woman. To his horror, they were completely black. Thin black arterial lines marred her skin too, extending along her arms and neck. Realizing the fate that had awaited Malin and the others, Link swallowed, his mouth parched. Sheik, I'm... There's nothing that could be done, Sheik said, her voice hard. She straightened, scraping the knife clean before sheathing it. I will get the guards to return for the bodies. I do not want anybody else seeing them like this. How many were there? He asked, gesturing towards the body. Like this, I mean. Not many, Sheik answered, her face tight with thinly veiled anger. Pass me the ocarina. I will see to the portal. Link only nodded, too exhausted to reply and still too numb to think. He gave her the ocarina, and they quickly walked back into the corridor. Neither of them looked back. Link was unable to keep from limping now, and he felt strangely hot. Finally, his feet carried him out of the last corridor and back into the cave. People stood or sat near the dais. Some were lying on the ground and were being tended to by those with some experience with healing. Children clung to their parents, refusing to let go. Malin, it seemed, had decided to distract herself by helping the healers, and she set about the task of bandaging someone's wounded arm with a grim determination. She stood up when she saw Link, having just instructed the woman she was tending to lie down. He felt a gut-wrenching pain at the look of her haggard face and haunted eyes. Wordlessly, she hugged him, almost crushing the air from his lungs. How long they stood there, he wasn't sure. By the time they broke away, Sheik was on the dais. Despite the fact that she had just rescued them, the villagers were still giving her a fair share of distrustful glares. Sheik called the first thirty people that could fit on the dais. It was fortunate the soldiers and guards still had their wits about them, or else there might have been a stampede. Link didn't even notice Sheik take the ocarina to her lips. Go, Malin. I'll be right behind you, Link said soothingly, prying himself away from her. Malin opened her mouth to object, but Link shook his head. Go on. Malin hugged Link once more, and then joined the group gathered on the stone portal. The blue flames Link knew so well leapt up around the platform. Some people yelped, others screamed, but a few firm orders kept them from scurrying like terrified ants. Sheik stepped off the dais, and with a flash, Malin and the others were gone. Sheik repeated the process twice. Then she sent the remaining guards to retrieve the bodies from within their cells. When they returned, Link felt as if something had just crushed his chest. 
Some of those bodies were only small. It could have been a lot worse, Navi said, noticing Link's expression. Sheik's eyes lingered on the small forms for longer than Link, one hand clutching the hilt of a knife so hard it looked like she was trying to crush the hilt between her fingers. It's done, one of the guards called. Sheik nodded and motioned everyone else onto the platform. Finally, Link thought, finally, we can be rid of this horrid place. Come, Link. Let's get out of... Sheik broke off when she saw Link's face. You look terrible! I just lost an eye, and a whole bunch of dead things just tried to kill me, Link deadpanned. How did you think I'd look? That is not what I meant, Sheik said crisply. Placing a hand on his forehead, she winced. You're burning up! I feel fine, he lied. In truth, he was feeling increasingly queasy and lightheaded. Sheik's eyes went to his injured leg. He followed her gaze and swallowed hard. His leg was swollen, and the skin around the wound black. You should have said something! I managed to heal the physical injury, but the wound must have been tainted, Sheik said, sounding angry. I would have sent you off first. I wasn't leaving you here on your own, Link protested. Is he going to be alright? Navi asked. Of course he'll be fine, Sheik said snappishly. You are still as stubborn as ever. If I thought it would help, I wouldn't give you a healing potion until you learned to be more careful. Link opened his mouth to retaliate, but she stopped him with a glare. I will fetch a horse as soon as we are in the village. You should have known better than to ignore this. She helped him up onto the dais and put the ocarina to her lips. Link had never been so glad to hear the nocturne of shadow. The haunting notes drifted into the darkness, and the familiar blue flames erupted around the dais once more. They were finally leaving the wretched shadow temple. The world spun, and before Link knew it, he was blinking beneath a starlit sky. Thousands of tiny pinpricks lit the sky, the little sprites dancing in the night. Never had he found the sight more beautiful than he did now. A crisp breeze brushed his face, and for the longest time, he simply stood there, listening to the wind rustling the leaves of nearby trees. They'd escaped. He could scarcely believe it. Through a haze of weariness, Link became aware of people moving about the graveyard, some shouting in urgent tones. Sheik called for a horse, and one was quickly summoned. The last of the villagers were being led away on stretchers. Cloaks were quickly draped over the dead before they were carried away. Sheik, you two look like you've been dragged half a mile by a horse. A tall man Link did not recognize walked up to the dais. Link was able to guess he was an officer of the Queen's Banner, judging by his sash and armor. His eyes lingered on Link's injured face, and then back to Sheik. Thank the goddesses you're still alive. General, where's the village? The Stalfos started attacking at dusk. I ordered everyone inside our fortified positions to try and reduce casualties. They'd only just started their attack when they suddenly stopped and dissolved into blue flame, the man said. We were lucky. What happened down there? The men told me they saw someone on the dais not a half an hour ago. Where is he now? Sheik demanded. At the inn. Link didn't hear the rest of the conversation. Feeling dead on his feet, 
He was almost falling over where he stood. Someone brought a horse over to him. It wasn't Epona, but the black mare managed to wait patiently for him to mount, which he needed some help doing. By the time he was inside the dancing Goron, he was nearly falling out of the saddle. The world was spinning, and his surroundings were nothing but a blur of shapes and color. He dismounted, stumbling and nearly fell before someone caught him. I'm okay, he managed in a dazed voice. Just need to sit down. You're not okay, a girl with red hair scolded him. Link didn't remember much after that. He vaguely recalled the peculiar sight of Ingo rushing up to hug him and thanking him for rescuing Malin. He did care about her after all, it seemed. Malin almost had to be extracted off of Link. She helped usher him to his room. By then, Sheik joined him, and he didn't hear a word of what she said. She gave him a potion that managed to stave off the worst of his sickness. After that, it was as though he'd sculled several bottles of Goron Fire Ale. He remembered being offered a fresh set of clothes while his tunic and soiled garments were being sent off to be washed. They were better off being thrown out, but Link would not have that. They had been a gift after all, and he'd kept them for as long as he could. He cleaned as best he could, using several towels and a bath that was dragged into the room. He doubted an hour under a waterfall, or any amount of scrubbing, or all the soap in Hyrule, would ever make him feel clean again. Once he was washed and dressed, the bath was removed and a healer came to check on him. She tended to his leg, bandaged it, and then left. Once she'd gone, Link sank into his bed, collapsing from exhaustion. Navi said something, but he barely heard her through the fog that snared his consciousness. You did it, Link! We did it, he thought vaguely. He could barely comprehend the magnitude of those words as sleep closed over him. Yeah, he mumbled, opening a tired eye to look up at her. We did. <laughs>